Friends in Christ, today I am preaching on the discipline, the Christian discipline of fasting as we continue in the, uh, the season of prayer for the church. Uh, so this is something that is maybe slightly more unfamiliar to some of us. Um, and uh, it is very similar to a sermon that I preached last year, but most of the people gathered for worship here today were not at that sermon last year. So if you were, please forgive me and, and have a good listen. As we begin to meditate on God's word, let us pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for all that you have given up for us. Jesus, you call us uh, to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow you. Uh, And I pray that as we and the whole of our denomination enters into a time of prayer and fasting, that you would help us to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, to focus on your purposes for our country and for our cities and for our world, and to be drawn closer to you. Lord, open my lips that I may speak your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, I'd like you to, if you have your Bible, um, please turn. We're going to be uh, looking at the Bible a little bit today in in the sermon. Um, please turn to Acts chapter 13, uh, and we're going to begin looking at fasting from Acts chapter 13, verse 1 to 6. Okay, Acts 13, verse 1 to 6. Let me read that uh, text to you. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which you have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. Now, it's kind of uh, ironic that I am preaching today on fasting when some of us are going to something called the longest Lutheran lunch immediately after this service with our partner church at Ringwood and Knox. And, uh, but I think that this is an important thing for us and for our church, um, particularly at this point of time. Now, I read this passage, Acts chapter 13, verse 1 to 6, recently with two of our Lutheran congregations that are preparing to become sending churches to, um, to church plant at Geelong and at Bendigo. And the response to this passage was similar at both Geelong and Bendigo. And I'm going to put the Vox Pop out there and, and ask you what strikes you, what is really intriguing and interesting to you about this passage that I have just read, if you, if you have it in front of yourself. Acts 13, verse 1 to 6. What do you think the Geelong and Bendigo churches might have said? Probably the same things that you are saying. The first one was, okay, I'm seeing silence from from the congregation. The first one was that most of the people in those um, churches said, we've never heard any teaching about fasting in the Lutheran church. We don't know what it is or how it works in the Christian life. And uh, 
a couple of guys in particular said, I've never fasted a day in my life. I don't know, you know, I don't know how I would even begin to go about that. So that's one of the things that came up. The second thing is that as the church was worshipping the Lord and fasting, now Gary, I believe, can, can teach us and our church much more about what worshipping means, and, and that's something that we need to unfold. But they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, and the Holy Spirit spoke directly, very directly and very specifically to the church. It says in verse uh, 2, the Holy Spirit said while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. In other words, fasting goes hand in hand with hearing the voice and the will of God for a local church and for a national church. The third thing that's really interesting about this passage is if I had been there and I was worshipping the Lord and fasting and the Holy Spirit said, set apart Saul and Barnabas for me, what do you think the next thing that I would do would be? Set apart Saul and Barnabas, right? But what does this church do? What do they do next? They fast and pray. So they, they don't begin to hear the voice of the Spirit and then strategize and plan. They begin to hear the voice of the Spirit, and then they continue to hear the voice of the Spirit through further fasting and prayer until they are absolutely sure that together as a community, they have heard the voice of the Holy Spirit. So there is now across Australia and New Zealand for people who are worshipping in Lutheran churches a call to prayer and fasting. And today I'm going to unfold uh, for us more of what fasting is and how it kind of fits into the Christian life. I see Sarah looking at me and she is smiling a big smile because I am sure that our Sudanese brothers and sisters know about fasting and about how important it is in spiritual life. Is that right, Sarah? Fasting is very important in your prayer life, right? Yes. Um, I, I think that I could learn a whole lot from Sarah about uh, prayer and fasting myself. Fasting is giving up something good in order to pursue something better. Now, people talk about all kinds of fasting, fasting from social media, uh, fasting from television or a particular television show. But today I'm going to hone in on what, what the word has meant um, throughout Christian history, which is going without food. Those other things are also good, but I want to, to specifically focus in on that aspect of fasting today. Fasting unfolds for us more of the goodness of God. Fasting shows us that we can trust and rely only on God. That as Yvette said, we don't need to let our physical cravings and our bodies control us or control our spiritual life. But we can trust in God even when we are hungry. Jesus said that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And when did Jesus say that? He said that after he had fasted for 40 days in the desert and was being tempted by Satan. So he was not just hungry, he was on the edge of starvation. And yet he said, man does not live by bread alone. It's not only physical food that we need, but actually God's word for us. 
Fasting can help to break the power of consumerism in our life. Now, consumerism is all about being comfortable. And that's what a lot of our Western world is about. You need this thing, and then you'll be more comfortable and more happy. Fasting says, no, actually, you can go without these things. You don't have to be comfortable because sometimes fasting does get uncomfortable for us. It's not easy. It's a discipline. Jesus said that we are to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow Jesus. And so fasting is one of those spiritual disciplines that helps us to deny ourselves and to follow Jesus more closely. So I suggested a few things that we could fast from. Has anyone else got any other suggestions just before we get into the, uh, the focus on fasting from food? Any other suggestions for things that might take your focus away from God that it would be good to set aside for a short period of time to, uh, to be able to focus on God more fully? Yeah, absolutely. My phone distracts me constantly. And I find that if I can put it away for like a whole day sometimes, um, then, yep, that can help me to focus on God. That's really good. Your phone. Yep. What else might we fast from? Internet. Yep. Scrolling on social media. Yep. Anyone else get distracted by that sometimes? You say, I'm just going to look at Facebook for five minutes. And three quarters of an hour later, it's like, oh, where did that time go? (laughs) Yep. What else? Any other ideas? Cool. Let us look at giving up food. Now, in my experience with Lutherans, many of us don't think that we can fast or think that we can't fast because we never have. Um, But as Yvette was saying before, as we get into it and we understand the way that our body works, then we find out that we can actually do that for us and it's not detrimental to us. Medically, there are only a small number of people who will actually be harmed by fasting from food. Um, That includes people who are pregnant, those who have hypoglycemia or diabetes, um, and also a small number of other conditions. If you're in that state, you should really check with your doctor, your GP, and say, I'm planning to do a fast. Is that going to be okay for me? But most people can actually do this and we can take um, small steps into fasting to help us to understand how that works. I find it intriguing for myself that many people fast for personal health reasons like losing weight or going to have a medical procedure but that we often resist fasting for spiritual reasons. We go, oh, I, I could never do that. Now, This is really important. Fasting is not about winning God's favor. Today is Reformation Day and we celebrate the truth that God's grace and mercy and forgiveness comes to us completely without cost, without our works. We don't have to fast in order to win God's favor. But rather, this is about sanctification. This is about our life of holiness, our life of following God and Jesus as his disciples. And there is really good gospel behind fasting. Good news for us. The first one is that Jesus fasted for us. Forty days and nights in the wilderness as he was being tempted by Satan. And the Bible says that he was tempted in every way as we are 
yet was without sin. Jesus went through that for you and me so that we might join him in overcoming the power of the devil. Jesus assumed that his followers would fast and he said, and I find this one hard to process from a Lutheran point of view, but he said, your heavenly father will reward you. Let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 to 18. Okay, I'm going to read some verses. So this is Matthew chapter 6, verse 2. Jesus says, When you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets. So Jesus assumes that his followers will give to the needy. Down in verse 5, it says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. Jesus assumes that prayer will be part of the normal discipline of his people. And then in verse 16, it says, When you fast... Do not look somber like the hypocrites do. Jesus simply assumes that his followers will have fasting as part of their spiritual disciplines. But here in verse uh, 18, Jesus says, uh, 17 and 18, when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. In other words, do your normal preparation so that it will not be obvious to people that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, as a Lutheran, I get all twitchy when when I hear someone, even Jesus, talking about rewards in the spiritual life. I don't think Jesus means that God will give us more stuff, that he will bless us with health and wealth. That is not Jesus' intention here. How our Father rewards us through fasting is through helping us to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and to have a more intimate walk with God himself. Does that make sense? So it strengthens our spiritual life. It strengthens our relationship with God, our Father. So why on earth should we fast? Well, it's not to impress others that you are more holy than them. Jesus makes this very clear in this passage here from Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 and uh, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show people they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. If you're fasting to make yourself look good or look holy before other people, then Jesus says, well, that's cool, but you've already received all of your reward. It's to help us to walk with Jesus. It's to focus on God. It's to give time for prayer. It's to sharpen our listening and our worship. And often, fasting will help to break the power of our cravings, our addictions, our idolatries, the things that control us. If you really want to know what is your most important thing in life, try fasting. And the things that control you will very quickly become evident to you. And then you can bring them to the Holy Spirit in repentance and for him Uh, for God to work on them. Biblically, there are a number of reasons for fasting. Um, One of them is when a great tragedy happens. Um, You can look that up in Joel chapter 1 later on if you want. Uh, So when a national tragedy is happening, God's people are called to fast together. One of them is for repentance. So if we have become aware of a controlling sin in our life, fasting uh, can lead us deeper into repentance. One of them is for spiritual warfare. 
We see that with Jesus in the wilderness. We see Jesus saying in Mark 9 that this kind of demon or unclean spirit can come out only by prayer and fasting. And one of the reasons biblically for fasting is starting a great endeavor for God or stepping out in faith. And we've already looked at that passage about Paul and Barnabas. So this is what we are doing as the Lutheran Church of Australia and New Zealand. We are stepping out on a great endeavor for God. We are praying that God will help the LCANZ and other churches to plant many, many new churches that will reach new people for Jesus. This is not an easy thing, and humanly speaking, it's impossible. But Saul and Barnabas were sent off by the church in Antioch, and they actually started, if you, if you read the, the next few chapters of Acts, they started many new churches in the regions that they visited, and that had been catalyzed by prayer and fasting. Okay, there's a couple of risks. I'm, I'm getting, there's a lot left on my sermon, but I'm going through it pretty quickly. Um, there's a couple of risks in me teaching about fasting. Um, and the risks are kind of spiritual risks. One of them is that you will sit there and go, what planet is Pastor Nathan on? I'm not going to do that. That's completely irrelevant to my life. Um, I hope and pray that that won't happen for you. I hope and pray that, that God will encourage you that fasting can be an important part of your walk with Jesus. Another risk is to teach you to become like the Pharisees that Jesus talks about. To teach you pride and self-justification. Gee, I'm a good Christian. You know, I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I get. Does that sound familiar? Yes. It was Jesus talking about the Pharisees and saying, you know what? Don't be like that. But the biggest risk is that we will be hearers and not doers of the word. We will hear Jesus' call to fast and we'll say, well, that's really not for me. I don't want to deny myself in that way. Um, And that means that we'll actually miss out on the good things and the blessings that God has for us. Jesus fasted and he talked about the risks of fasting, but he simply expected that fasting would be a normal part of Christian living for his followers. So what shall we pray for as we fast? Pray for harvest workers. You saw some of these on the video that was up here. Pray for those who don't yet know Jesus, especially our friends, workmates, and family. Pray for the victory of Jesus to defeat the devil and banish him and step into Jesus' victory in spiritual warfare. Pray that our church may get into wholehearted worship of God that we may rejoice in who God is and all that he has done for us. Pray that we may listen to the voice of God and pray for God to grow our church, including this local expression of our church, and pray for all the churches. I'm going to send out some prayer points um, in the coming weeks. Here's some practical steps. If you've never done this before and you'd like to give it a go, and if you think you hear the Holy Spirit stirring you Uh, to join us as we um, fast and pray. Drink plenty of water. You should never do an absolute fast, which means no water or food for a significant period of time without medical um, uh, help. Um, I don't recommend doing an absolute fast. You should drink plenty of water. Start small. If you've never fasted, for spiritual reasons before, you can try a 12-hour fast 
which is no food after breakfast until dinner. Snacks, no snacks. <laughs> no meal, no lunch. Use lunchtime instead to pray. That's a 12-hour fast. Or if you want to challenge yourself and stretch yourself a little bit more, try an 18-hour fast, which is no food between lunch and breakfast. In other words, no dinner and no snacks. <laughs> I'm, I'm really tempted to eat snacks, but that's also eating. Um, and as the vet said, the hunger pangs go away. They don't control you. Use them as a prompt for prayer. I'm just going to read uh, the Acts passage again, and um, then I'm going to finish with prayer. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, on this day we give thanks for your grace. We praise you that Jesus has gone through all of the spiritual disciplines on our behalf. And we ask that your Holy Spirit would help us as individuals and as a church graciously to enter into denying ourselves, taking up our cross and following Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen.